0: while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man. But if you're up there, please save me Superman.
1: Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've taught me done. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode seventy-seven. The day after 4th of July, the day after a long weekend. How I'm, crippled are you? I'm not in very good shape at all today. <laughs> I I think they dug a hole in my brain and they filled it with alcohol. Who,
2: who's they, honey? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, 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 people with, the people with the fireworks who made the cat go apeshit <laughs> berserk for a good half hour last night. Yeah,
2: that was unfortunate.
1: Yeah, it turns out. Cats really can hear better than you. <laughs> and they don't understand that America demands explosions <laughs> and sacrifice once a year.
2: Yeah. And yeah, they don't know that it's not like the coming apocalypse or something. Yeah.
1: And, and we're <laughs> in the kind of neighborhood where, yeah, down the street, you know, people lurch out of their front doors and huck cherry bombs into the street at all goddamn hours. And it's going to happen again tonight.
2: It is. It's been happening since Thursday.
1: But also, we live at the nexus of like four sub-communities of Boston- all of which sort of timed their fireworks to go one after the other after the other. So we've got like a good 45 minutes of constant explosions.
2: Parker thought we were being shelled from all sides.
1: There was a point where I thought I was being shelled from all sides. <laughs> it was like the floor was lurching under my feet and I couldn't keep my balance. I drank a lot of yesterday. That's what I want to <laughs> well, say. Well, there's that. But... And combine that with, I finally bit the goddamn bullet and bought an Xbox One. You did. And set it up for the long weekend.
2: All by yourself.
1: Well, (laughs) I put together the recording studio every week. I'm pretty sure I could wire up an Xbox.
2: There's like a minimum of cursing and everything, though. I was very proud of you.
1: Well, I did try to... (laughs) This is the kind of fucking stupid asshole that I am. We have a fairly new state-of-the-art home theater system downstairs in the living room. But it also has a very nice plasma TV and plasma for everything they say about, you know, oh, it's gotten a lot better. It'll still burn in if you leave the same image on it, which video games are notorious for. So I decided I'm going to put the new Xbox up in the office where I've got a 14, 15 year old DLP 720 progressive. It's an old high def TV. That doesn't have HDMI. Right. It, that wasn't even a twinkle in anybody's eye when I bought this stupid goddamn thing, hung over without thinking. Then <laughs> the Xbox One only has HDMI out, so I had to try to figure out how to wire that into the TV and still get sound because I don't have surround sound up in the office. I don't. I watch TV in here at like two in the morning when.
2: <laughs> Svengoolie. As excellent a program as that is, does not need surround. Doesn't sound. Doesn't need
1: surround sound. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what I watch when I'm I'm too drunk to make it the fifteen feet to the bedroom.
2: Like the, <laughs> a subwoofer isn't going to make a lot of difference when those rubber chickens hit.
1: Yeah. So so yeah, I had to get like adapters and shit. So I wasn't convinced I could even make it work, but I finally did. And the reason I finally got the thing was, uh, yeah, the killer app finally came out: Batman: Arkham Knight. Yes. Which was it's it's weird. You and I both like. Video games. Yes. But we're not hardcore gamers. No. But you you kind of are a casual gamer. Like You'll play Bejeweled on your phone.
2: Very casual. I think some people would argue that that's like drive-by gaming. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, see, I, I don't do any of that shit. It's While I'm not a hardcore gamer, I want the games I play to be more hardcore. I have no time for, let me flip the block and see if I can land it so that the, the rows go away.
2: I like games that either like, well occupy my attention for an afternoon like the i think the hardest core of which would be something along the lines of like a forza you know like where i can sit there and like create like <laughs> the ultimate driving machine because i the, yeah. the irony is i hate driving
1: <laughs> oh i know but yeah you'll create the ultimate driving machine and then drink half a bottle of scotch and try and plow it around the nürburgring
2: it, you know the time that i did that with a beautifully tricked out lamborghini And a good bottle of Chianti was a really fun evening that I I think I shouldn't recommend to anybody.
1: (laughs) Oh, I enjoyed it, too. i just sitting there shrieking, you drive (laughs) like a drunk! And then you plow into an abutment or an oncoming car. Yeah,
2: although I thought it was funny that after a while I was getting better at driving the rear wheel Drive ve- vehicles than than the front wheel drive of, of which I own an actual front wheel drive. <laughs> well,
1: well, I'm even worse, and I think I've talked about it on the show before. I I drive a sports car. It's you know, not like a 911 or something, but it's just high end enough. It like just meets the wire that they'll throw it in as an afterthought car in Forza 3. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll drink half a case of beer and put the game on and. I, d- I can't drive the fucking thing. I, the rear end kicks out cuz it's a rear wheel drive car and I I can't drive my own fucking car that I drive every day. <laughs> I can't drive in, in the video games. The driving games are more you.
2: Well, it's you know, it comes from my my deep abiding love of pole position and and it's airs as it were.
1: <laughs> Which is fine. I I grew up with uh yeah, that shitty Superman <laughs> arcade cabinet. <laughs>
2: But uh you know for for just sort of my day-to-day kind of needs uh, my other deep abiding love of early game time was uh Tetris because it was mindless you know all right how fast can i move my fingers and and drop the block where it needs to 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 complete the pattern
1: and see <laughs> you don't need an xbox 1 to play i don't think there's been an electronic device made since 1990 that doesn't have tetris on it
2: no and actually i've been looking for um, an emulator that would work with PC for something that was called um, alternately Wesleyan Tetris or the anti Tetris, which was like the biggest douchebag mod of Tetris because it would go in there and actively make fun of you while you were trying to play, it would drop like invisible blocks so you'd think you had a clear shot, and it was all fucksered. It I'll would it would take rows away that you had built.
1: I'll sit here with a quarter Jack Daniels and mock you while you play Tetris. You
2: and, like. and when you would lose, there was a sound clip of Hudson from Aliens. Game over, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I'll just sit here. So you call that a block rotation? You're a piece <laughs> of shit. You're an embarrassment to the People's
2: Republic. I think the the other thing to do is to throw things at me while I play and to to like fuck with my hands. Uh, that that <laughs> would be probably the closest approximation. Because the only emulators I can find work on Mac, and actually in college that was what I played it on. It was it was a you passed it around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your little floppy drives and, and everybody had a copy of it and we all played it on Macs. And, but...
1: and like in college, everybody got Tetris and a virus and a cold sore. <laughs> That's just how college was. It's
2: just how college was. Yeah. Often while drinking.
1: <laughs> o- often while constantly drinking.
2: But um, but because of that, yeah, I, I like Bejeweled because it's the same sort of mindless, just sort of, oh, create the pattern and you know, make it go away and I can play it for however long or short I really need to to kind of get my mind off of whatever and then go go on with my day otherwise i'm playing things where i have to grind um the simpsons tap out game for the phone that i lost weeks to that game before i finally uninstalled it
1: (laughs) i know it was quiet it was glorious
2: (laughs) (laughs) but the sims it's the same thing like what can i do to level them up ah (laughs) no you go to work and you don't sleep don't keep going to work you keep going
1: (laughs) i've never understood the sims except as as a torture simulator. <laughs> Seriously, that's where it's fun. Otherwise, it's you're creating this little virtual thing to go through the horrible grinding useless shit that you have to go through <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. Only you're able to accumulate worldly goods at a more rapid rate because the simoleon dollar exchange rate is very favorable to the Sims apparently.
2: Apparently. But yeah, I'll, I'll sit there and string together actions like, you know, get up, shower, pee, wash hands, brush teeth, because you got to have like these things so that they're in a better mood so that they can level up at work faster so they can make more money <laughs> more quickly.
1: No, what, what you need to do is put together a string of options like father of family stand at bar drinking, <laughs> daughter put all leftover newspapers next to the fireplace, <laughs> uh, son remove all smoke detectors and wait for the house to burn down.
2: I don't even know if it lets you do that now. Now that they've done away with such things like build pool, put Sims in pool, take away ladder, drown. Like they don't let you. Like they can climb out on their own now.
1: I'll find a way to kill them. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's a useless waste of bits. I'm not going to do it.
2: But you know, that's uh, those are the things for my day to day kind of game needs if I'm playing. Whereas the first person shooters and things like that, I like them. I am a suck-ass shot. <laughs> I
1: mean, I, I'm a piece of shit. I enjoy certain shooters, but I have way too low a frustration tolerance. Uh, like I, I ordered the the Halo Complete Edition yeah. because I liked Halo 2. I never even got through Halo 3. You will see me dead before you see me on Xbox Live playing <laughs> competitive Halo with people. Yeah, it's I, I go berserk. I, I can't take it, and I certainly can't have a 12 year old impugning in, in my mother's reputation in my ear while I'm missing shots and getting pwned by children.
2: <laughs> well, as it was, I, th- I think one time you and I tried to play one of the Tiger Woods golfs on Xbox Live. We ended up getting booted out of the game because it was some like father of two, and we kept like swearing into the headset. All right, my <laughs> reputation is
1: ruined from one night with Tiger Woods golf on the Xbox 360 like seven years ago at this point. I can never go back on there. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that's the other thing. I'll play golf games. Like I suck at it in life. Much like driving. I, I suck at it and hate it in life.
1: <laughs> but the minute you can sit there with a nice glass of wine and not have to actually expend any effort or put yourself in any danger or sunshine.
2: And mulligan repeatedly. Yeah. And
1: <laughs> The unlimited mulligan rule is nice.
2: <laughs> or Or fighting games where, again, I have no skill, but I can sit there for however long it, it takes until my frustration threshold is, is reached and just button mash like a son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> oh, you really enjoyed Injustice, Gods Among Us. I, yeah,
2: I, I am a button masher of the first degree and I, I will proudly own that. I have no skill, but I can jam that why <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can jam that why, you say. Is that why you were popular in college? Is that a euphemism of some sort?
2: Oh, that and the anti-Tetris. <laughs> what?
1: I, uh... So I finally got the the weird thing this this is the the hell of owning a, a game console now. Whatever you own, if you've owned one for the last ten years, that and its future models are all you are ever gonna own for the rest of your life. Which never really occurred to me, because when they announced both the the Xbox One, or as many people including myself call it, the X Bone <laughs> and the PlayStation Four. I was really inclined to get the PS4 because it didn't have a built-in surveillance camera and microphone (laughs) to watch what you do. Yeah. But the problem is, and eventually, it was a real deal breaker for me. It's part of why I didn't buy either one for a while. They finally started saying, okay, yeah, you can buy it without the Connect or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Because, yeah, I got got enough body image issues without seeing how the thing's trying to map my bloated carcass. (laughs) sitting prone on a couch it's not going to happen even if they'd announced it right out of the gate saying yep exact same price and everything you can't go to PlayStation if you've had Microsoft for a while and vice versa we have so much money wrapped up in the Microsoft Xbox Live yeah. network it's like throwing cash out the window to switch to a PS4
2: that had been my argument when you were initially been considering getting the new platform
1: well it's particularly the other the final deal breaker was Rock Band. Right. We enjoyed Rock Band 2 and 3, and you in particular have thrown so many Microsoft points at the police pack. <laughs> and, you know, all those all those songs would be lost in it's time, true. like Microsoft points <laughs> in a drunken blackout. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's poetic, sweetie.
1: Oh, thanks. I, I came up with that by myself. I'm wicked smart.
2: Yeah, I, you know the hours that i spent perfecting um the the perfect score on white snakes here i go again vocally on uh hard
1: there, there is only one perfect score on here i go again and it involves peeling down spandex pants <laughs> it is however hard
2: it is jesus christ wait what other softballs can i come up with for you <laughs> They got my dick message. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about Batman Arkham Knights after well, all that.
1: Well, that was the other thing. I put off buying any of these because I'm a firm believer in it's, it's got to have a killer app. Yeah. And the first year of games on any new console are usually kind of shit because people, from a pure software development point of view, people don't have that long with the API. They're still trying to learn what the hardware can do. So the first generation of games that come out are never awesome, there were some there that, that looked pretty good, but most of them already skidded off my brain. It, it required a, a franchise. Like when I bought the Xbox 360, it was dead rising. Yeah. Because I had never seen anything like that. It's like, wow, the, every zombie I see on the screen, even if it's far off in the distance, I can run up to and chop his fucking head off. <laughs> that sounds interesting to me and fan of Dawn of the Dead.
2: Yeah. That's the one that's actually in a, a mall, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Which Which also helped that said the game was not that awesome i've never bought a dead rising <laughs> game yeah i mean the batman series from rocksteady studios the first two were awesome and just i burned through mm. so when the date was announced on this is all right 4th of july is coming as long as the finances are there i'll put it together and and yeah get to put it together and yeah, I, I've spent, what, 12 hours out of the last 72 yeah. just being Batman. It's The game is a lot of fun. I'm only about a quarter of the way through it at this point because it really feels like you're Batman when you're playing these things. So yeah, I play all the side missions and all that crap, except the Riddler ones. The Riddler pisses me off. If anybody from Rocksteady Studios is listening to this, if I wanted a platform game, I would buy a fucking Nintendo. Don't have a riddler mission in air quotes where i have to precision fly through a tube full (laughs) of spinning scissor blades i will go insane and shriek at the television and the neighbors will call the police okay i hate the fucking riddler missions i can't stand them (laughs) i skipped all the stupid get the riddler question marks in arkham city and arkham asylum and now the riddler is a big part of this one so far part of the problem the game does have some problems From a pure storytelling standpoint, yeah, I have to do all these Riddler missions to rescue Catwoman. Apparently, Riddler kidnapped Catwoman.
2: That seems like if that happened in the real world, right? not the real world, but in the real comic book world, she'd kick his ass.
1: She would stomp his balls off, (laughs) be going, riddle me this.
0: What's 911?
1: Help. It would never happen. And yeah, Barbara Gordon gets kidnapped, and here's spoilers on the game if you're planning to play it. Again, I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but for all intents and purposes it really looks like the people who wrote this game fridged Barbara Gordon flat out wiped her out in front of Batman's eyes as a motivational factor to go after Arkham Knight
2: That would be the definition of fridging
1: <laughs> Yeah, it, she wasn't in a refrigerator she was in a cell that's somehow better, <laughs> so I guess But Granted, it it had the intended effect. It was shocking. I didn't think they'd go that far, but it's also to the point where, I bet they find a way to undo this, because they don't quite let you go into the cell to check for a pulse or anything, so...
2: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: But it it really, it looks like...
2: Looks like she's dead. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Also, for I I haven't finished the game, but five will get you ten, the Arkham Knights, Jason Todd. Mm. They're just uh, shifted it out from Red Hood. Because they're enough intimations, Batman's, try. Robin keeps saying, oh, Arkham City's in trouble, I'll come back, and Batman keeps saying, no, stay and do what you're doing, and Nightwing tries to come back, and no, go back to Bloodhaven, they need you. And the Arkham Knight knows so much about Batman's MO, it's, like, yeah, alright, I'm pretty sure we're gonna find out it's Jason Todd. <laughs> Which is not, if you're not hiding it that well, that 25% yeah. in, and it's the same thing with twist stuff in movies, it's now half of me is like, I want to continue to enjoy the overall experience, but part of me wants to burn through this to make sure I'm right.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's always, you know, if that happens, then I feel as though a story hasn't been told properly because if I'm expending any brain power trying to get to the end to see if I'm right, then I've lost my ability to immerse myself in a story.
1: Yeah, and I've said before, that's the reaction I had watching, shit, what's the one I see dead people?
2: Uh, Sixth Sixth
0: Sense. Sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: As soon as I thought I figured it out, I checked out. Yeah, so if I could have fast forwarded, I would have. So part of me's fighting that on this. The other thing is that this goddamn—I can't believe I'm saying this—is a Batman fan. This game didn't need the Batmobile. That was the big.
2: I've heard that that's supposed to be one of the weak points to the story. Well, <laughs> it doesn't really fit with
1: Batman. They kind of try to have it both ways. In a certain mode, it's in pursuit mode, and it's more like a classic Batmobile. But then you can pull the trigger, and it becomes a very tumbler-like tank from mm. The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, that somehow when you run somebody down has a taser field that sort of stuns them and moves them out of the way instead of turning them to street pizza. <laughs> and yes, the Batman who has sworn to never kill has packed this thing with 60 millimeter cannons, And but apparently everything fires rubber bullets. Oh, okay. and they, they try very hard to twist the logic in the game. It's, oh no, no, the cars that you're blowing up, they're, they're actually... Uh, they're actually unmanned drones. Oh, okay. It's, well I'm pretty sure I can use this same thing on the taxis that are driving around. <laughs> I don't do it because I'm fucking Batman. I have too much dignity to blow up a taxi. <laughs> ethics. Because I don't need one. I have a car. That's ethics in gaming. <laughs> I don't oh, want to oh, forget. Oh. It. Yeah, all right, we're out of that. <laughs> but it was just so much fun in the first and you still can in in this, but in the first couple games, you know, using the the gliding and the the grapnel gun to move around and you know, now it's uh, yeah the the riddler things are oh don't forget to bring the car why
2: <laughs> so how how does it handle with the controller because one of my i mean y- you were awesome enough to to get me a steering wheel and a whole rig for forza because i can't play driving games using just the xbox controllers yeah
1: it's it handles yeah you know, okay the the controls are a little counterintuitive because it always has felt like there's sort of a default driving set of controls that was sort of, to my mind, started in Grand Theft Auto 3. Mm-hmm. Right triggers accelerate, left triggers brake. In this, right tr- triggers accelerate, left trigger is turned into a tank. Mm-hmm. The B button is the brake, and there's some other thing to go into a power slide. it's It's doable, but I'm constantly in a chase with Firefly or something and trying to power slide and I hit the left trigger and instead it's... Now I'm a tank. I slow right <laughs> down and there's the guns. It's like, oh, God, can I shoot him? I think I'm done with him. I'm tired of chasing him <laughs> around anyway.
2: Tank smash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but on the whole, it's a pretty good game. It's it's reasonably immersive. It's not hard if you got the right set of imagination. You've heard me screaming from downstairs. Yes. It's, I, bitch, I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> For some reason, I go full all star Frank Miller Batman when I
0: play the game
2: or probably what Jason Todd would actually sound like were he Batman, yeah, which I think there is a certain amount of Pinkman
1: <laughs> Jason Todd is Jesse Pinkman,, nah, I could sort of see it actually. yeah, see
2: I I don't come up with this in a vacuum, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, except Pinkman wouldn't even try to put together the he couldn't work with Mr. White. <laughs> you think Mr. Wayne's going to put up with his bullshit? Mr. Wayne doesn't need meth money.
2: This is true. This there, is true.
1: There's not an even balance of power in that
2: relationship.
1: <laughs> Bruce Wayne would bury him where he has constantly tried to kick the Joker, just in the back cavern. <laughs> He'd pay the Joker to blow him up. He'd give him the explosives. It's true. So that that's half of why I'm even remotely surprised this show's actually happening. It's, <laughs> I sat motionless just playing this game for so long over the long weekend I think the back pockets of my jeans are imprinted permanently on my ass.
2: It's quite possible. It's important to get up and move around.
1: <laughs> I know. I could lose a foot. Oh, Bat- Jesus. Batman needs his feet, goddammit. <laughs> Without feet, the Riddler, I-, I can't do the Riddler's driving riddles for some fucking reason. <laughs> Christ's sake. Yeah, the- I built a racetrack in an office building. Did you, Riddler? Really? <laughs> a racetrack,
2: you say? Well, you know, what else do you have going on? <laughs> that's
1: how you want to prove your intellectual superiority? I'll bet you can bake it around this corner in less than two seconds. You are a NASCAR driver, Riddler? <laughs> Can't be, because it's not all left turn. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I did eventually tear myself away from it. Yes. Immediately after the show, it may go back on.
2: but that, That's okay, hon. Huh?
1: But it was... And it was weird, because part of when I placed the order for the thing, I was thinking, eh, there's not going to be any comic news this week, so I may as well play video games. We could do an entire show about Arkham Knight. We you, you can't really. There's not enough. The story in any video game, just about, is as <laughs> shallow as a urine sample. You know, Even the big complicated ones like Mass Effect 3, it comes down to save galaxy.
2: How are the graphics on this compared to some of the other ones?
1: Oh, it's a, the game system. It's at least as best as i can tell it's light years a- ahead of like the the 360 okay yeah you know, as batman is standing there in the rain you can see rivulets of water going down his cape and cowl Ooh. so certainly that improves the experience yep wet batman <laughs>
2: smells like wet bat <laughs> i am the night i am the wet night <laughs> i am vengeance uh, i am damp I'm the, <laughs> I'm the damp night, the moist night.
0: <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I had this vision. I could talk about this because there's not going to be any comics news because San Diego's not happening until next week and half the free world's on vacation. And, uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> partially thanks to a, a leak to 4chan. Uh, yeah, Marvel had to prove me wrong, and they've announced probably most. I don't think they've done everything yet, but. They've announced a lot of their post-Secret Wars books. Yeah. They trickled a couple out. They'd announced, uh, we talked about Spider-Man last week, the Miles Morales Mm Spider-Man. And they also had announced uh, Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez, the Invincible Iron Man. Yeah, a metric assload of them were announced early on this week into about Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, they're going to be called the all-new, all-different Marvel Comics Thankfully, not too many of the individual books are actually titled all new, all different because, yeah, with all the all new books Marvel put out when they did Marvel Now last year, all my frigging long boxes were already heavily <laughs> ad- alphabetized up front. And the problem is, you know, for a fact, all those all new X Factor and all new X-Men, they're just going to be called X Factor volume whatever. Right. And X-Men volume, and you're never going to be able to find these fucking things again. So hopefully none of them will be worth anything because I'll never put my <laughs> hands on them to save
2: my life. Well, it's it's important that you have that database then because then you can at least search for the the writer or the artist. Yeah,
1: yeah, I suppose. <laughs> right up until they redo all of their taxonomy, I guess. <laughs> we'll we'll hope for the best. I'll brute force it. I'll just go box one A. <laughs> it probably starts with an A. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, it should not be a problem with the 40-something titles that Marvel announced this week. We're not going to talk about all of them. There's just too goddamn many of them they announced all at once. And yeah, again, I don't think this is everything they have planned, because there's still a few characters that really haven't shown up anyplace. Okay. But yeah, I wanted to talk about a few of the ones that looked more promising or more interesting. Sure. So uh, the big one that jumped out, just because as we were talking in last week's show about Spider-Man whether or not Peter Parker would show up uh, as Spider-Man also in the post-Secret Wars universe, along with Miles Morales, because that was a big controversy last week, was, oh, Miles Morales, he's going to be the only Spider-Man, which was bullshit, and people misreading the goddamn announcement. Yes, there's going to be an amazing Spider-Man book uh, written by Dan Slott, uh, art initially, at least, by Giuseppe Coley.
2: I like his work on Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. Um, And yeah, we we speculated last week this one was coming, because... The announcement, or at least some news stories after the announcement of the Miles Morales Spider Man, said that he'd be mentored at least by Peter Parker. Um, So he kind of guessed Peter would probably be around (laughs) that. And again, Dan Slott didn't threaten suicide on social media. So it was probably a safe bet he'd have a Spider Man book someplace. Yeah. But yeah, the the theory behind this is that Parker Industries, I think that's the, the company. That sounds right. Yeah. The company that when. Doc ox Spider-Man, the superior Spider-Man was around, uh, started up. Uh, Apparently it's going to take off and go worldwide. It's going to have offices in Shanghai and London and San Francisco and a bunch of other places. And Peter is going to be, I don't know, a a sober, non-dickish, Tony Stark-style figure (laughs) going around the world as an entrepreneur and also being Spider-Man.
2: Oh, okay. So it's like The Amazing Spider-Man goes on international tour.
1: Kind of, Yeah. That's what it seems like. Alright. And he's got an entirely new costume that was designed by Alex Ross. That have you seen the pictures of it? I have not. Yeah, it's it's basically his old costume, but it looks like the blue stuff is metallic. Oh. And the, the his eyes and the spider emblem on his chest grow glow a sickly radioactive green as if it's some sort Ford- of <laughs> Yeah, like the glowing. That in, bodes well. Yeah, like the glow in the dark Legos and shit like.
2: that. Yeah, <laughs> so, because you know that way, yeah, you know, the villains can totally see you coming and and.
1: <laughs> but it's also supposed to be there's some high tech under the hood of the costume. Apparently, in the crotchel area, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where under the hood on your pants are, and it would be in the crotchel area. Crotchel's a word, right? Sure. Okay, it is now. It is now. I <laughs> own it, and that's where the radiation comes from. <laughs> Yeah, it's the the first. The only problem I have uh, from the announcement coming out of it is I've worked at high tech startups. Yes, and yeah, they might have office. They might have an office in air quotes in London, but it, it's a PO box, <laughs> and it's a it's a telephone in the second bedroom of some salesman's apartment.
2: Yeah, I mean. This this sort of presupposes that in addition to the the corporation that Doc Ock put together being successful, it, it it's wildly successful and has made a shit ton of money.
1: Yeah, wildly successful and insurable. Once the word gets out that oh, I'm also designing Spider Man shit, uh,
2: wildly been- successful and also in the face of battle fucking world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, some universe is going to coalesce out of this with elements that we're familiar with and new elements.
2: I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that right now they're still doing Games of Thrones shit. and <laughs>
1: they, they most certainly are. And and we'll so, talk, we'll and, talk about the new Secret Wars toward the end of the show. And
2: so unless this is something that's already extant and will follow them back to whatever new universe is created.
1: <laughs> yeah, because... Before this all started, yeah, Parker Industries headquarters had been hit by supervillains at least three or four five yeah. times between when Otto was in charge and now Peter doing it.
2: Because you know Otto doesn't understand the concept of "don't start none, won't be none." <laughs>
1: yeah, but you know that—that's the real world. This is a comic book, is it? On <laughs> fuck you, man. I'm very tired. I've played a lot of video <laughs> games. I've
2: had a lot of liquor this weekend. I'm not on my A game. No, I mean I, I understand that it's 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 a it's a comic book. It's just I don't I I have to see. I haven't I haven't read it yet. I, I don't want to judge until I read it.
1: <laughs> Look in the Marvel universe, a weapons manufacturer is among amongst the most beloved technologists in the world. <laughs>
2: It's true. Name? I can... They're not warmongers. They're futurists. Of course,
1: <laughs> the, you know the only arms—it's not even a manufacturer. Adnan Khashoggi was an arms dealer and the richest man in the world until Windows ninety five took off. That's the last <laughs> any kind of arms anything I can think of. You know, short of filthy Steve at the end of the block who you know sell me sell me a gun with no serial numbers if I give Jesus. eighty dollars.
2: Yeah.
0: He's there nobody's putting him on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> no.
1: So in comic book world, oh yes, Parker Industries, it's got buzz and startup money like you can get startup money to build buildings in fucking Shanghai. I guess, yeah. We're, it's comic book logic, I'm willing to accept it. And the reason I'm willing to accept it is this could finally be the way to give us the best of both worlds from what comic fans liked about Spider-Man up until One More Day yeah, and what Marvel has desperately been trying to put back in place through One More Day and Brand New Day. Got it. Which is if Marvel wants a Spider-Man that they can do that teenage soap opera e again opera e is that a word?
2: It is now. <laughs> I'll
1: make it up work cr- crotchal opera e. Crotchell opera e. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my next album <laughs> but, but yeah if, if they want the teen soap kind of stuff that you got in the Stan Lee and Jerry Conway stuff, you've got Miles Morales, who is very clearly in high school. You can build those stories around him all day long, and now you've got a more mature adult Spider-Man that you can have stories that were closer to what was happening before one more day. Because, I mean, the thing is, as much as Marvel and Joe Quesada were screaming We've got to have a younger Peter, we can't have a married Peter, we, we're freezing out a whole bunch of potential new readers. The readers who read Spider-Man stuff in the 70s, who were 10 years old, the the median age of comic readers sort of went up along with us. Yeah. Because I was like 10 years old by the end of the 70s, and reading, yeah, in Marvel Tales, old reprints of the, the early stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the time Peter Parker was married and we got the One More Day, yeah, we're all like 40 and we're in relationships and more adult. There were more adult concerns that we, we liked seeing related in our stories. Having Miles around means, yeah, you can roll back all that shit with Peter. Now, there's nothing in the announcement that's specifically talking about bringing back Mary Jane as his wife. But considering there's a Renew Your Vows book, Mm. That has that exact scenario on Battle World in Secret Wars. It could be a backdoor retcon to reintroduce that status quo.
2: It's possible. It's possible. I, mean, I had read somewhere, and I forget to whom it was attributed, but the the idea is that they have to find a way for Peter to grow up and and not continue to behave as he does when he's a teenager, because as you get older. Like it's not you're being a teenager; it's you're being a loser. <laughs> well, fuck you, man! <laughs> you,
1: you just addressed that to a guy who spent the weekend playing Batman on a fucking video game.
2: No, but I'm just saying, like you know, the the lovable loser Parker stuff. It stop it stops being lovable and just becomes loser as you get older, and you're still living with Aunt May. And the thing is, we older comic
1: fans already fucking knew that. That's why. Yeah, up until the Straczynski run, I was fine fine, having to be married. I mean, Jesus, Amanda, you and I aren't married. I don't see a reason to bring the courts into a perfectly good relationship, but a committed, long-term adult relationship is something that I can relate to. Well,
2: and he went steady with Mary Jane forever and ever and a day, and frankly, if you're 10 years old and reading that, they may as well be married.
1: Exactly. It it makes next to no difference to you. Yeah. Yeah, it it was just just a hard-on from the level of of Quesada. They were going to kill Mary Jane for a while and then trying to figure out how to, a, how to have a divorce. And then they came up with the most logical, realistic option of selling your soul to the devil to get out of your marriage. <laughs> Who hasn't, right? Which, you know,
2: pretty much, I think, turns Spider-Man into a country song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank God you said that the way you did because I didn't think the re-song was coming afterwards. <laughs>
2: Be, no, no, I just saved that word for when we have special guests. That'd be three shows in a row. That'd
1: be pretty <laughs> solid. That's, that might be a record in this the podcast. Sh- this world. show's
2: not over yet. Give me time. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: this show's over. <laughs> so I'm actually looking forward to, to what Dan Slott is going <laughs> to do. Uh, he said right up until he remembered the fucking Spider-Mobile's coming back. Son of a bitch.
2: Spider-Mobile, you say?
1: Yeah. You, you remember the Spider-Mobile. Vaguely. It, yeah, it was somewhere around the death of Gwen Stacy, and somebody wanted to sponsor Spider-Man. and you needed st-
2: a bitchin' hoopty?
1: <laughs> if you could call a 70s-style dune buggy a hoopty. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things. He lives in New York. All right, maybe that's it. Now that he's out of New York City, he needs some kind of automobile to drive to the scene of the crime where...
2: So when he's in L.A., he can sit on the
1: freeway. <laughs> honking his horn. Just webbing up in the air. <laughs> rage. <laughs> yeah.
2: So that when he comes to Boston, he can just sort of sit on 93 with all the other assholes.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah he'll sit in the uh, the Ted Williams tunnel on the way from the airport. <laughs> Like You motherfuckers, <laughs> sit your red and blue
2: ass down, you motherfucker. Are you a Mets fan? Fuck you. <laughs> You're a Mets fan. Let's get him, boys. <laughs> hey, Sully,
1: break his fucking legs. <laughs> so, yeah, the Spider-Mobile. Like, we've, we've gone off. <laughs> gone completely off the rails. It, yeah, it's, if Spider-Man's not going to be based in New York City, maybe he needs a Spider-Mobile. That, I think, is a little questionable.
2: I
0: don't know what to tell you.
1: (laughs) But I don't have any fondness looking back on the Spider-Mobile as a kid, because even then, I thought, this is stupid.
2: Well, he's going to be an international man of fucking mystery and shit. Maybe he's going to get a Spider-plane, and a Spider-sub, and a (laughs) Spider-yacht.
1: I I guess anything's possible, but when even a seven-year-old in the 70s thought, Spider-Man doesn't need a car, and even if he did need a car, he's in New York City, why does he have a dune buggy. Because
2: he's no longer going to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's going to be Spider-Man, International Man of Mystery, or some shit.
1: <laughs> I guess.
2: <laughs> I want there to be a crossover with the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always criticize your spider ride, but when I do...
1: <laughs> uh Spider-Mobile. <laughs> Alright, I'm not looking forward to the Spider-Mobile. I am looking forward to a, a more adult Spider-Man Yes. Cuz look, everybody loves you know good old you know, Parker Luck high school college, but th- those stories are still there. Yeah. yeah. I read those when I was 7 and 8. They're not I, going I, anywhere. I don't need more of them and if I feel the need for them, you know, I will be getting them cuz I'll be getting the Miles Morales Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, but he's a different he's a different kid than Parker was.
1: Yeah, and it's not 1969 anymore, right. so that also will help matters. <laughs> Uh next one that was announced that looked looked interesting purely because of the writer involved frankly uh Karnak
2: Yeah, yeah uh,
1: written by Warren Ellis uh with art by Gerardo Zafino. now uh as we've sort of established just in this show I've been reading Marvel comics since the 1970s so when I read this announcement I responded with a resounding Who the fuck is Karnak <laughs> Wasn't that a wasn't that a Carson
2: character? Yeah, doesn't he read minds and shit? <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I, I had to Google it. I had no memory of who it was. Uh, he's an Inhuman who can find the weak point in anything. Weak, okay, uh, be it a person, a plan, an object, a thing, anything. He he can find the weak point of it. All right. now, his particular gag is this power is not because he's an Inhuman, even though he is, but he was never exposed to the Terrigen Mists. So his powers are because reasons. I guess I wasn't able to figure it out in the ten minutes I had to Google him Wikipedia the guy.
2: Because he likes to make people cry. Yeah, he's a dildo. That's his power.
1: <laughs> uh, your mommy dress you? <laughs> really, a philosophy degree.
2: <laughs> What's your superpower? I punch down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know who Karnak is. But look, Ellis has done good work with Marvel for about the last 10 years. He'll he'll take a book for like four or six issues. He'll completely bust it up and shift it around from what it was before and come up with something interesting that can be as a, a new instant status quo and then hand it off to somebody else to hopefully do something cool with it. Yeah. the most recent is Moon Knight, which has gone pretty well, even with a couple of creative teams after he left. I mean, Iron Man Extremis changed the status quo of Iron Man for 10 years and gave us Iron Man 3. Secret Avengers was a weird one because what Ellis did was awesome. He took Brubaker's really kind of spy-ish espionage kind of story and turned it into just big bold super spy weird one and duns. and yeah handed that off and it wound up in the hands of Alice Cott who didn't take that status quo but did his own said oh it's okay to do weird shit with this okay right. I've got a depressed MODOK and he <laughs> did some really cool stuff with it on his own doing this with a character nobody's heard of eh, it's kind of new but all right It could work with Ellis, particularly with the kind of stuff he likes to do, because the idea of a character that can find the fault in systems really does seem like it's Ellis's... Forte. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, what the hell was Global Frequency, except it was a team that sort of created itself to to plug holes in existing government systems and scientific systems. So it kind of makes sense if you stop making fun of Karnak for long enough to think about it. It's hard to do, but if you can... We can find
2: the wherewithal. (laughs) Probably came up with it as a defense mechanism after somebody fucking named him Karnak. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, your name's stupid.
2: (laughs) The biggest problem with this,
1: I don't give a fuck about the Inhumans. I don't fucking
2: care. And that seems to be the the battle cry of a lot of people, as much as mutants are being downplayed to a certain degree in favor of raising the profile of the Inhumans so that they can use them in more of the Marvel-owned properties because they can't use the X-Men because Fox.
1: Well, the one positive thing about this all-new, all-different is... It's got a good, solid handful of X-Men books.
2: It does. It does. And they're finding ways to squeeze X-Men and former Fantastic Four characters into books where you wouldn't have thought to look for them otherwise.
1: Yeah. But my point was going to be they're not trying to shrink the X-Men and the mutants at the same time they're trying to raise the level of the Inhumans. I mean, obviously, they want to raise the Inhumans because money. Yeah. Yeah they can make movies and tv shows out of them the problem is i just don't give a flying fuck at a rolling donut for any fucking inhuman ever yeah now the good news is i really didn't care that much about the x titles either i've never been a huge x-men person the bad news is yeah they're okay we're elevating these characters i still don't care about
2: so i mean it's i think it's gonna be like anything else you, you pick and choose and you try the books that sound interesting and you give them a shot and the ones that work you stick with and the ones that don't well then it's what the market will bear
1: yeah i I suppose just uh there's nothing nothing innately cool about black bolt what's his battle cry
2: (sighs) Nah, see you just leveled a building right there
1: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) at least the ticks got spooned
2: I, th- I think the Black Bolt is is intended to appeal to those who like the strong silent type or some shit like that.
1: Okay. <laughs> and who's Medusa supposed to appeal to? Hair fetishists. Yeah, yeah I, like,
2: <laughs> I like waking up and spin hair out of my throat. <laughs> hey, Rapunzel, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Said nobody ever. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Lock jaws for people who like ugly fucking dogs. And then... Other Inhumans. That's really all the only ones. (laughs) And then
2: the other ones.
1: (laughs) It's like, after a certain point, it doesn't, it's like the Eternals. Yeah. The Eternals was a book when I was growing up. I never gave a shit. I bought one or two of them, or they were bought for me, because again, I was a little kid. I did not care. I remember there was one Icarus. That's the only, only Eternal I can remember. Neil Gaiman Mm -hmm. did the Eternals as part of his deal to have Marvel finance his attempt to get Miracle Man back. I own those issues they didn't stick to my head at all.
2: No, and but here's the thing there's for for everybody like you out there who's going to be more interested in the Captain America, the the Spider-Man, the uh, Iron Man kind of tit- Avengers yeah. titles there's going to be a contingent that love books like the X-titles and the Inhumans because they like the fantasy of it, they like the idea of these quasi magical seeming powers. So it's it's basically trying to come up with a book that meets everybody's needs.
1: I suppose. You know. Fuck <laughs> the Inhumans. This is the Inhumans. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> Fuck the Inhumans.
2: <laughs> okay. Somebody might need another little nap.
1: <laughs> uh, but it's Ellis, so I'll read that one. Okay. I'll at least give it a day in court. There you go. All and right. he doesn't
2: even have powers yet. Like real powers. He hasn't been exposed to the Terrigen Mists right now. He's just a douche who can, like, pull the right thread.
1: Garnack, super douche. <laughs> Here's one that I'm legitimately looking forward to. Doctor Strange. Yes. By Jason Aaron and Chris Boccolo.
2: I am looking forward to this. I
1: have a lot of hope for this one. And they
2: they worked together on Wolverine, and that was one of my favorite runs.
1: Yeah. Well, it's uh, Jason Aaron has not written anything. So that... It was
2: Wolverine and the X-Men.
1: Was it? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it... it Jason Aaron has not written anything that was not worthwhile to read that I can remember. I mean, Jesus, we talked about Thor's <laughs> a couple weeks ago. He turned a Thor comic into an 80s buddy cop flick. Oh,
2: it was awesome.
1: It's, I, I like to picture Jason Aaron sitting at wherever he likes to come up with his ideas at his desk or TV tray or whatever. He, he's got a brand new filled Bic pen, a stack of paper, and a Giant mason jar of pure fucking grain alcohol <laughs> and he just pours that shit down his neck and wakes up in the morning with a massive headache and just a stack of awesome pitches. He doesn't <laughs> know where they came from, they're from God doesn't matter, and see it just he comes up with cool shit and a character like Doctor Strange, where you can legitimately sort of take it in any direction yeah you know, that that okay I- I'm on board with that, and Chris Bocolo. My favorite Chris Boccolo work was back on Peter Milligan's Shade the Changing Man from back in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. The Vertigo book. And Shade in that was a character, you know, he was surrounded by insanity and madness. And Boccolo had to draw the physical embodiment of madness from the meta vest. And at face value, yeah, Doctor Strange seems like it'll have similar opportunities for Boccolo to cut loose and just sort of do like melting fucking faces like he used to do in Shade. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is a creator teaming on a property that is about as exciting as anything I can really think of in recent memory. Yeah, it's, I mean, weird this is it, be fun. it's weird because it's weird because it's a Doctor Strange comic, and Doctor Strange, I like, but he's never been my favorite character. So yeah, to be this excited about a Doctor Strange book,
2: I'll, I'll read pretty much anything Jason Aaron wants to write, frankly.
1: <laughs> yeah, but particularly with this artist, with this potential kind of subject matter, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd put this up with the idea of Frank Miller and Jim Lee on. At least the idea of Frank Miller and Jim Lee. Saying, on that's all-star, statement. On All-Star Batman and Robin. But then again, yeah, that was kind of a hot mess. So <laughs> maybe that's not the correct analogy. But but yeah, I'm really excited about this one.
2: Morrison and Quietly on things.
1: <laughs> it depends on the thing. It really, really depends on the thing. Okay. Uh, here's one that we probably should have seen coming, and and there were actually rumors about it, sort of backdoor way to get Wolverine back. We Mm -hmm. got Old Man Logan, uh, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino. Yep. So yeah, it's the easy out for the death of Wolverine, just bring in Old Man Logan. And it's, I'm honestly not sure what to feel about this one, because I liked Mark Millar's original Old Man Logan run in Wolverine a few years ago. Yeah. It wasn't exactly fucking groundbreaking. It was unforgiven with Wolverine in right. the future.
2: Uh, you know, I, I think the idea of a world-weary Logan who is is done trying to chase tail, as it were, and... <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, as it were? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess... He's going to be too old to want to pursue Gene, I would I would say, in this incarnation at this point. Assuming that that brought back from an earlier time, Gene is still running around
1: the X-Universe. She will be, and actually both of them are going to be in, I think, Extraordinary X-Men.
2: Oh, because Extreme was not enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it never is, baby.
2: <laughs> but, it, you know, just did it the the sort of world weary voice of, you know, really you want to do that really? <laughs> well, it, tired of your shit. <laughs> that's
1: the, that's a thing, and that's the thing I have a problem with. It really is Wolverine by way of William Money from Unforgiven. Yeah, he didn't want to do it anymore. He did it because he felt he had to. He didn't pop his claws until the final issue when he was personally. Basically taken down by the Banner family. Yep. The idea of that guy, that fucking guy, saying, "Okay, yep, let me join an X Men team again." It doesn't really re- ring true to me.
2: Yeah, but he's he's got a reason right now for going out and looking for whatever it is he's searching for. It. He's in Battle World protecting um, the the daughter of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage.
1: Okay, that's right. I I guess I mean they can I can Yeah, it is Extraordinary X-Men uh by Jeff Lemire. Okay. And, and yeah, unfortunately I can easily see, okay, yep, I'll join the team because yep, there's Jean Grey and I never quite got over her. because otherwise I picture that guy from Old Man Logan. Can you picture him saying, "Okay, yep, time to join back up."
2: Yeah, but wouldn't it be interesting, albeit still fucking creepy if he did it? In more of a fatherly sense at this point than as a baby you give me the hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a hell of a needle to thread. <laughs> I guess it's possible.
2: Because he's had this time now in Battle World to be a guardian to um not only this this child of of Cage and Jones, but also the the last remaining banner heir. They've been raising the last baby Hulk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I don't know how much of this is going to carry into the new Marvel Universe after Battle World sorts itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just,
1: I'm stuck on, hey, Red, <laughs> when I was younger and you were older, I wanted to bone you. <laughs> Let's be on a
2: team.
0: <laughs> it was wrong and you knew it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, Gene, if, if I was 50 years younger... <laughs> <laughs> I'd be trying to get you to, you know, so don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, uh, Logan, I don't understand. What do you mean, you know? You know. (laughs) And then it devolves into an awful Monty Python say no more thing. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
1: (laughs) So, so, so Mr. Lemire, what's Extraordinary X-Men going to be like? For a $10 (laughs)
2: all-you-can-eat (laughs) testicle (laughs) fest. Extraordinary staying power. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.
1: In a related note, uh, we also are going to have all new Wolverine written by Tom Taylor, uh, art by David Lopez, and yeah, it's going to be X-23 as Wolverine. Yes. The uh, the promo art is basically, uh, yeah, sort of the cover of the, the Hulk issue where he was introduced uh, you know, with the same dialogue, you know, wait for Wolverine, whatever the hell it was. Yep. So it, it ties in with Marvel's recent moves toward being more inclusive with some of their high profile frontline characters, you know Sam Wilson is Captain America, Jane Foster is Thor, Fine will do x23 is Wolverine. It really lets Marvel sort of have their cake and eat it too. it does it's kind of been because they've been doing it all along uh, since they started this sort of initiative they've kind of been smart about it, so you know for people who get upset, uh, no, Sam Wilson isn't Captain America, well no, Steve Rogers, he's right over here. Yeah, you know, how can you have a female Thor, Thor Odin's son. He's right over here, too. Yep. Yeah, the, the only one who didn't get it was, you know, how can you have a female Captain Marvel? Well, because the original Captain Marvel got a massive tumor on his friggin' brain and died. Who gives a shit? <laughs> if you gave a fuck about Captain Marvel, there wouldn't have been eight of them until now. Just let it happen. Right, right. So, yeah, it's I like Tom Taylor. I uh, do, too. It's, I, I liked his stuff. God, going back to that, that DC... Online DC Universe online. Yep, he did one or two stories with that that should have been crap, and he should have just phoned them in because nobody reads those. I read them because I needed to review something, and it actually turned out pretty good. So I'm glad he sort of moved along.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give all of these their day in court. It's easy to sit here and kind of armchair pick on on pitches, but you know, unless you know how those are going to play out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. So uh, old man uh, Logan Letch. <laughs> <laughs> oh never mind i can't I, find the sound effect i can't help it <laughs> <laughs> it's too easy it's uh, it's gonna be creepy <laughs> it's gonna be creepy <laughs> here's one that I'm, I'm looking forward to it but i'm gonna miss mark wade uh we've got daredevil oh yeah uh written by charles sewell
2: well that's got potential
1: but definitely has potential uh art by ron garney i mean charles sewell he's a fucking lawyer yeah, he's a lawyer when he's at home. Yeah,
2: so, so all right, what's he going to bring to this?
1: Yeah, so we ought to see some real life lawyer and out a Matt Murdock at okay. the very least. Yeah, and to be honest, the promo art on this showed him not in his classic costume, but sort of it's black with red trim. It's kind of closer to the one on the Netflix show. Interesting, but at least it's not the red business suit. You know, as much as I like Wade and what he did with this, the whole Matt's out in public and he's got a red business suit and his open identity and he's just sort of it, it kind of pushed the character in a direction a little more a little more toward the fun loving than i was okay with i liked the lighter daredevil all along yeah this level of it it's it doesn't really feel like daredevil anymore and you know of course it's all going wrong and uh akari remember the one that he faced that sort of wore his dad's silks and he had the same powers but he also okay. could see he's coming back to lay a beating on him and Matt's ready to retract his public identity so that Kingpin will have something on him uh, to make kind of a deal to keep foggy and his loved ones safe. So it's, it's moving more toward a kind of old status quo. um, And and I'm ready for it to sort of go in that direction, particularly after the daredevil TV show was really pretty solid.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, you, you all, there's the cynical part of you that can't help but wonder, Okay, we're we're setting things up the, so you can you can have old characters and you can have new characters and you can have wider diversity and all of that is great. But there's certain things that feel like you know again corporate synergy. Let's make sure this matches this so that if people are doing you now reading this particular book, they'll see the same sort of setup in the TV show or the movie and vice versa. That that always feels a little claustrophobic to me. And-
1: <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, for a long time. These comic publishers were so fucking terrible about
2: it. I know. I, on the other hand...
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I've said before, Dark Knight was the biggest movie in the world for that year. And if you went to buy a Batman comic, Bruce Wayne was fucking dead.
2: Yeah. You're not wrong. It, it's just... I don't know. It, it feels v- much, much more like... There's a storyboard over in the writer's room and there's a storyboard over in corporate and that the suits pass notes.
1: <laughs> I have no doubt that they do. Yeah. And it's if it makes comics healthier, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. Up to a point. I mean, I certainly don't want my comics to be a slave to whatever somebody's doing in a movie or a TV show. The ugly reality is, and we sort of hinted about it on the show, but this superhero renaissance going on on TV, both on, like, the CW and with Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and on Netflix with the Defenders, and in the... this shit's gonna stop.
2: It will. It will.
1: It's stopped before. You know, we, all we geeks thought we inherited the world when Batman came out in 1989, and we started seeing posters for Captain America and for The Punisher, yeah. and a Flash TV show was coming out, and the superheroes were dead as Dillinger by 1992.
2: No it's true and there's already been some properties that haven't worked out so the, those are the shots cry, fired across the bow as it were. Um, you know Constantine not doing well and yeah. there there are people we we liked what we saw of the new Supergirl. There are those who have had questions about it. Yeah. I fully admit that I'm only planning on watching Lucifer to get started with just so I can hate watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that was a really good co- Excuse
2: oh, me Oh, the really comic, comic book is brilliant. They're turning it into like a buddy cop thing when it hits <laughs> sci-fi. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> you, The silver-tongued have... Lucifer, the, the, the morning star, the fallen angel and all, he um, quits his gig in hell, comes to Earth, and has a club where he does what he will, and then a murder happens, and uh, he's investigated by a police officer who seems to be the only woman on Earth who won't fall for his charms. And she's got a daughter, and they team up so that he can help her solve crimes. (laughs) (laughs) See? See? I'm going to fucking hate-watch this thing.
1: (laughs) God damn it, Lucifer, you said one more fucking... (laughs) perp on fire
2: and you're off the force.
0: Am <laughs> your goddamn
2: <laughs> So, I mean, it, it, who knows? It, it may turn out to be okay, but on the on the surface of it, it looks like they're fucking with it massively. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For anybody who's actually a fan of the real books.
1: <laughs> I I don't I don't recall the buddy cop comedy in the middle of <laughs> the five giant volumes of Lucifer that we have, Exactly. But I, I drink and read sometimes. These things happen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah the the reality is, you, know, think about some of the biggest hits so far this summer, and some of the reviews you hear about you know Mad Max Fury Road and God Knows Jurassic World, and a lot of the reviews that you hear is uh, okay, here's a great big fun movie that at least it's not a superhero movie, yeah, which there's already an under churn of yep the you know, the bottom's gonna fall out and Yeah, I I don't want my comic books to directly reflect those. Number one, because if the bottom falls out, then you have a property that nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. But I'm willing to have a certain amount of parallelization because if it brings some people who are fans of that over to the comics, Mm -hmm. it's a more vibrant readership and a more viable property if it stops being a viable IP farm to shuttle stuff directly to movies.
2: Yeah. Uh, there's pros and cons to it, but I I felt I at least needed to bring that up.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, I'm just thinking I'm thinking the late '90s where there wasn't a hope in hell, <laughs> you know, uh, they leaked Jim Cameron's Spider-Man pitch, and that was as close as Spider-Man was ever going to get to be in a movie. Yeah, and Marvel declared bankruptcy, and now the, yeah, it's comics were almost done. Now the plus side of that was you got. Whether you like him or not, Joe Quesada and Dan DeDio saying, Okay, fuck it, let's get some high tone talent and try new shit and make it about the stories as opposed to the properties.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, let's not keep Spider clone going for four fucking years. <laughs> let's get the guy who does Babylon five to write Spider-Man, and then we get in the news and we get a good writer on Spider Man. Yeah. At least he's not having Spider Man walk across the earth. <laughs> and <laughs> But the downside is to get to
2: that point, you almost have to lose the hobby that we love. And yeah, I I fully understand that these these things will be cyclical and that there will be a certain amount of symbiosis for a while while they ride it out. Ultimately, I want to see I, – I, I don't want my enjoyment to, to diminish because every time I open up something, I go, oh, look, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're making a comment where they can backdoor why they call Sky Sky when she's supposed to be Daisy, or <laughs> yeah, oh oh look they're drawing um, Mister Hyde to to look like Agent Cooper. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? If it's popular, they're gonna do that. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. Uh, look at this week's Secret Wars. Uh, what was Peter Qu- Quill wearing that he never wore ever until the movie came out? Yeah, I know. I <laughs> so that I care less about. You know if the costume's got to change around to have a certain amount of symbiosis so that if somebody does wander into a comic store or just you know idly dials up a digital comic or says, "Oh, I got a free graphic novel from on my nook. let me see it they can at least recognize it and not let that be an alienating factor. There's going to be enough alienating factors because the comics are not exactly like those properties
2: it's It's just the cognitive dissonance that happens now while we go through this transition i'm sure eventually i'll notice it less or i'll care less but right now while it's happening it it drags me out of the story
1: yeah well the problem will be when it stops is when there's no more movies and tv shows yeah and it lies fallow in those more mass entertainments and we just hope the <laughs> hope <laughs> digital comics can keep it alive through yeah through the 2020s let's say the way Borders and trade paperbacks kept it alive through the late 90s, early 2000s.
2: Yep. No, you're, you've got a point.
1: We've gone a little far afield.
2: Yeah. Um, so, what are the other books? Okay. <laughs>
1: I got a couple more I took note of. This one I'm really looking forward to, uh, The Ultimates. Okay. Because written by Al Ewing.
2: Oh, yes. Art by
1: Kenneth Rocafort. Um, <laughs> let's talk you're about all that. All
2: new, all metrosexual ultimates. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second.
1: <laughs> Look, I loved, uh, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers and the Mighty Avengers uh, that Ewing did over the last year, year and a half. Mm. This looks like a certain amount of more of the same kind of thing, but with a new name. Because okay. the team's... Yeah, okay. The team's Black Panther, Blue yep. Marvel, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo, Ms. America Chavez. Oh, sweet. And got, at least based on the image, the promo image they put out, fucking Galactus. <laughs>
2: And Galactus, because it's Rockaforte, will be immaculately manscaped.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, Al, who do you who do you want on the team? Uh, Galactus? What?
0: I don't know. I'm making this up as I go.
1: <laughs> That's not the most intuitive direction to take a team that was closer to street level. Yeah, that basically had a hotline so you could call them if you had a problem. Yeah. I hope they fucking continue that. <laughs> uh yeah, Ultimate's hotline. Uh yes, uh, my landlord uh, won't change my locks and fix my shower head. Galactus, phone for you. <laughs> I am devourer of worlds. What can I do for you? I devour worlds and hate low flow shower heads. I will assist you in your endeavor. But uh
2: let me tell you about escrow. I'm so hungry.
0: <laughs> but then again. <laughs>
2: Jesus
0: Christ. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to
1: do. <laughs> then again, this may not actually be that sort of street-level incarnation of the team. It may just be members of it. Because, at least for this, and I, I don't think for any of the Secret Wars post-Secret Wars books so far, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones really aren't anywhere to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the final issue, if you remember, of Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, showed Luke Cage really implying that he wanted to go back to the Heroes for Hire name.
2: Mm, that's right. So,
1: if I had to hazard a guess, in the not too distant future, and hopefully it'll be by Ewing, but we we might see a Heroes for Hire book starring those characters. And I don't think Iron Fist has been seen anywhere.
2: No, but they may also be sort of. Trying to figure out how to drop a book that will line up with the Netflix properties that will contain those characters.
1: Yeah, oh, that's true. They could just drop into a new Defenders, as opposed yeah. to to Heroes for Hire. Right. Yeah, that probably makes more sense.
2: Uh, can I talk about how excited I am uh, for the? For no, the... shut the fuck. Yeah,
1: do whatever you would. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Would you like a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, I say again, I apologize if you're listening to this. I, I am a little bit on the of edge. <laughs> I apologize. Go um, ahead,
2: please. I I'm excited about the increased profile for Monica Rambeau. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm 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 looking forward to seeing her continue. Um, and I like the fact that they're willing to explore that she's got a high level power set that rivals. Many of the upper tier characters. Oh, if you can in contro- this universe,
1: if you can control the entire electromagnetic spectrum, you have a massive power set, indeed.
2: Yeah, but- coupled with, um, in Secret Wars this week, it looks to me like they literally tore Cyclops slash Phoenix Clops apart.
1: Oh yeah. Um. And thank God, I hate that. We'll, we'll talk about. We'll, it. Talk, we'll talk about,
2: about that. About it. <laughs> there's there's a lot of Cyclops hate that we'll be getting to. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I, I, I'm I'm just so happy to see her in a book and being used to the full extent that she can be used.
1: Definitely to the full extent. Because <laughs> let's talk for a moment about that Ken Rockford art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the promo piece that Marvel released. Uh, he still put Monica in her trench coat, yep. from Next Wave, the way Ewing left her, which good. is good. That is good. But Rockefeller has it blowing behind her, in just the right way, so that you can really appreciate the <laughs> breast implants that Other Rockford, her head. Rockford apparently has decided she got <laughs> somewhere, somewhere on Battle World, you know, <laughs> the Battle World, uh, I don't know, tit uh, center. <laughs>
2: She went down to the Battle World um Buenos Aires. And <laughs> Battle <laughs> World's boobs plenty. <laughs> somebody held an ice block to her chest in lieu of anesthesia and yeah, it's all... <laughs> shot her full of silicone.
1: It's, I literally had to zoom in on the art because the second thing I said when I saw the image was like, Jesus, does she have camel toe? Did he go that far? He didn't. <laughs> but the the fact I had to zoom in, it's like there might be no there there wasn't, but the <laughs> God, the the cheesecake he did, and there's nothing wrong with cheesecake art, but oh man, it, I'm always gonna be oh, all right, man. You did Red Hood and the Outlaws. Got to be careful now.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm willing to read anything that Al Ewing is going to write. Um, totally, and I uh, the art is what it is. I, I mean, this is a weird week for me. I read a I, I read a book and got to the end of it and didn't even realize till I got to the end of it that it was Greg Land art so i'm I'm willing to keep an open mind it it was it was it was hard for me like once I figured it out, I couldn't unsee what I was seeing but um the was, was this a future imperfect yeah, okay, um, and I realized that I didn't realize that it was land because he didn't really have a lot of um porn stars that he could light box for this because it was mostly the Hulk and the thing, <laughs> <laughs> so he had to actually draw real pictures. <laughs>
1: All right, yeah, that'll make you up your game, I guess.
2: Um, and he managed to at least on the few panels where there were were women, um, like Ruby Summers is in it and yeah. he, he managed to not give them megawatt smiles apropos of n- fucking nothing. Like, <laughs> like there were a couple like, okay, sultry pout, okay, fine, whatever. But there wasn't like just like oh I'm so sad. Ah! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like somebody gave me a nitrous popper and worked the prostate. <laughs> That Tony Stark grin from the first Iron Man he did, yeah, that was uh, Karen Gillan.
2: Shout out to Land on Future Imperfect this week. That was a really, really well drawn book. <laughs> you heard me say it, folks.
1: <laughs> I didn't even remember that Land did the art because you told me before I read it, and yeah. then I read it a couple days later, and I had forgotten until you just mentioned it. Yeah. So yeah, all right, I'll give him credit on that
2: one. So you know what? I'm willing to to go with let's let's see what you come up with, Rockaforte. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs>
1: what the hell? All right. All right. Uh, it's a, a couple more, um, Uncanny Avengers, uh, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Ryan Stegman. I'm really only interested in this for two reasons. Uh, the first is written by Jerry Duggan. I- I've liked a lot of the stuff that he's done recently. Okay. Um, yes. his run on Nova was pretty solid, but <laughs> the other ones, three things. This team features Spider-Man, the Peter Parker Spider-Man, yep. the Human Torch and fucking Deadpool.
2: Oh god. They they're, will... they're going to be fighting over like no, I have the last word. No, I have the last word. No, I have the last word. Yeah. Fuck you, I have the last word.
1: <laughs> and, and Duggan writes a good Deadpool. He so, does. He so, does. Yeah, this one it, it's it's going to be worth it hopefully just quiptastic. for that interplay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> and I like Stegman. I like Ryan Stegman's work, so. Yeah. This will be fun.
1: Yeah, when he gets a chance to do Spider-Man. Weirdly the the Spider-Man costume on the promo art for this was not the new you know, I I have gamma radiation pouring out of my out of chesticle. my ch- out of my chest and forehead. But, but yeah he does
2: radioactive a- chesticle.
1: <laughs> gamma radioactive <laughs> chesticle so yeah, we'll we'll see how the new costume plays into that, or if it takes a while to get to it, or you know, with the promo images, probably everybody doesn't have all their their lines lines of communication together to start with. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, the other one, this actually got announced a couple weeks ago, but I just wanted to touch on it because it's it's an interesting choice and probably a smart one. Uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, Sally du- Kelly Sue DeConnick is leaving that book. Yes, and it's uh, the writing is being taken over by Tara Butters and Michelle Fizakis.
2: I'm looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, because I mean, they did not only Agent Carter, which they did a solid job on, but the first time we ever heard of them was on Reaper. Yes, which is a vastly fun and underrated show.
2: Oh, that was it. That's one of my favorite just. Things that should have been much bigger than they were.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it only made two seasons, and the second one, I think, it got by the skin of its teeth. But yeah, I mean, Ray Wise as the devil. Oh God, and Leland Palmer as the devil. And I said, st- I still love the episode where Sam decides he's gonna he's gonna fight the devil in single combat to reclaim his soul by playing quarters.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, and- there, there was there was just such a fun sense of humor in that show but also a real sense of they, they managed to keep a sense of tension for Sam and, <laughs> and the fact that he was constantly imperiled um, Oh, and
1: <laughs> just unable to find a way out because yeah the, the conclusion of that was the devil broke his right hand Yeah, so that he had to try to play left handed and he wound up gambling uh, I forget his girlfriend's name in that but a, her soul on top of it so it was and that was hopefully as a cliffhanger for a third season that never came right but yeah that was a solid show now so that's
2: something that should have been turned into a comic property
1: even that's kind of <laughs> tricky because where the rubber hits the road most of it was just dudes talking there wasn't a lot of special effects involved
2: oh that's like a um a bendis book gee
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right you got a point i suppose People being
2: wise asses with a lot of talking heads huh And <laughs> then an ensemble book <laughs> yeah
1: I do miss Sock. I forget the name of the actor that played him. Yeah. He was in a... Oh, I can't remember the movie either. Fuck it. He should be doing more.
2: He should be doing more.
1: That was probably a good choice in in putting those those two in charge of Captain Marvel. Let's face it. If they'd gotten a guy to take over after Kelly Sue DeConnick, Tumblr would have burned.
2: Yeah, there, there, there would have been a... It would have been like Alderon exploding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, they got a, a good team on a book that needed a particular kind of team. So so that one looks interesting. Yes, and certainly they announced a whole hell of a lot of other books. Certain ones I noticed, I noticed by omission that there's no Fantastic Four at this point. Nope. So yeah, we we're basically walking into a an all <laughs> all new all different version of the house that Stan and Jack built in no fucking Fantastic Four. Yeah. It's not too late. I don't think Reed Richards or Susan Richards have been shown in any of the books that are coming out so far, so they could probably come up with something.
2: Just seems a little weird. It does seem a little weird. And, and a little bit of a bummer. Where does the thing land? I mean, we know that Johnny, Johnny Storm's in at least one book. Uh, a couple I w- books, I think. But... I want
1: to say in one of the Avengers. I don't remember off the top of my head.
2: Okay, it, that, You know what? That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. But actually, you know, um, there's going to be a Illuminati book. I wonder if Reed ends up there.
1: Yeah, I saw that and I'm trying to remember the promo art about it. But I want to say that the person featured on that promo was the hood. Hmm. I, I could be misremembering or transposing in my head, but okay. I really I got the sense they were using the title. Illuminati but, but it was not going to be okay. like new avengers illuminati.
2: Well there's a lot they're going to have to tie up with with Reed Richards in Secret Wars right now as it's as it's playing out because there's the uh the maker version from that universe and Reed is now actively in play.
1: Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that. When we <laughs> and get this to may the book. just
2: lead into us going ahead and talking about the comics now. I think we're not really going to know, and and maybe they are holding back, if only to not spoil how this plays out.
1: That's very possible. The only all right. So in a second, let's go to Secret Wars four. Okay. Uh, the one other thing that I have not seen mentioned anywhere is Punisher. Right. Now, with the Daredevil TV casting announcement, I can't imagine there won't be a Punisher book after Secret Wars, but right now, it's still kind of in play, which is interesting considering the Punisher is turning out to be such a big part of Ultimate End. Right. You know, both the 616 and the Ultimate Universe version.
2: Yeah. Well.
1: So, I'll be interested to see what happens with, with Punisher, too.
2: Yes. But I, I don't mind that they're holding back on some some characters, if they're going to set things up to, to go out in phases or waves, that's fine. I, I want to say
1: I read somewhere there's going to be 60 books. And with everything that's been announced so far over the last couple of weeks that have trickled out of places and the big dump that came this week, we're only up to 45. Okay. There's still potentially, again, if I'm remembering that number 60 right, there's potentially still 15 books in play. Okay. So there's still still ways this could shake out. All right. Do you want to go straight to Secret Wars? Let's do this. Right,
0: we'll,
1: <laughs> we'll talk about direct comic books this week. We we got a few of them, but yeah, we'll do Secret Wars four. Yes, uh, written by Jonathan Hickman, uh, art by Assad Ribic um, someday. I will learn how to fucking pronounce that. What kind of parents would name their kid that? But I, I uh, think you got it right. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're now halfway through Secret Wars. Finally, uh, some superheroes, kinda, and uh, at least a, <laughs> at least a piece of the Fantastic Four. Yes, but it's still a goddamn bummer.
2: Uh...
0: <laughs>
1: We're halfway through it. It's good to finally see Doom showing a few cracks in this whole godhood that he's been talking about. Yes. I mean, Why don't you talk about your impressions first?
2: Well, um, I was happy to see Doctor Strange finally nut up a little bit. <laughs> but no, I mean, in uh, terms of... Pr- up, to, up to a point he did. Up to a point he did. In terms of, of this, it feels like things are finally beginning to... To play out a little. It, Hickman has painstakingly put these little tiny clockwork things in, in motion here, 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 here.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: So, all right. So now we've got the Thors unable to deal with um, the, what do they call them? The, the Cabal. The Cabal, um, who have a version of Reed Richards, the Maker version, who's like the Uber dick, even wears it on his head um, <laughs> with them. Um, <laughs> Why you
1: hear that helmet? It says he's in. Uh, I played the wrong one. Why? <laughs> okay. Why there it is? Why wear that? Hel- yes, it's true. This man has
0: no dick.
2: <laughs> We've got Doom finally taking an interest in things on like the the level where he gets involved, as opposed to sitting up as this
1: on the Iron Throne. Yeah,
2: thank you. <laughs> um, it takes Susan. To point out that whatever force field the cabal has around them, it's withstanding um, Mignolner, which on her best day, her force fields wouldn't be able to do. So that piques his interest. Right. Well, I don't
1: think it was as much that. It was when Sue saw Reed Richards with her memory being affected and said, ooh, there's something special about him. I think that that got him in the crotchal area, as long as we're making up words today.
2: The Crotchal Opry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, but he finally gets on the field after issue after issue of, oh, please fight for my amusement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and to see that, you know, again, it plays to the whole uh, Strange as little finger. Okay, apparently Dr. Strange has certain things kind of in place that Doom never knew about. Right. All right. I I wish we had had a little bit more of an inkling into that. Maybe if I go back and reread the other books, it's there, but I don't think it is.
1: Not that I can remember. So it
2: felt a little out of left field.
1: The most that we got were discussions between Strange and Doom, where they talked about how they both remembered the world before Battle World, which at least implied that, okay, while... Susan and Valeria may or may not be brainwashed, memory wiped, roofied, whatever. Yeah. Doctor Strange was working with Doom of his own free will, which implied, okay, maybe he certainly was a hero before this. Yes. So maybe he had something in play. But But that's all I can recall.
2: I, I think it's significant that Doom is now getting involved when there are two Reed Richards in play. I was disappointed to note the repeat of what seems to be this continued. I'm a hero, but I'm not going to behave like a hero behavior. Cause they talk about when, um, when strange and, and Richards are talking about, well, how how did this happen? And they talk about uh, strange talks about, y- you have that moment where you can look into the abyss and, and we had that happen and doom embraced it. And I ran away Uh, You you are the Sorcerer Supreme.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Doctor Strange acting as Doom's right hand bothered me from the beginning.
2: But to hear that there was this moment where he, and this is his fucking wheelhouse, (laughs) could have done something. Sacrificed himself heroically, I don't know. And he didn't.
1: Yeah, because he basically... In New Avengers was willing to sacrifice his soul. Yeah. And did bank his soul in order to try and stop incursions. Right. So that could come into play. If he did bank his soul away, it could have added a level of cowardice that he kind of had before he ever became Doctor Strange. An arrogant cowardice, but.
0: Yeah. So
1: that makes a certain amount of sense to me.
2: Um, I did like that. Cyclops, Phoenix, uh, Cyclonix Phenoclops. <laughs>
1: penis face.
2: <laughs> no, no, no! You're you're confusing it with the maker.
0: Oh, um, <laughs> right, right.
2: Try has a moment where he's going to be all like, "I am the most powerful creature in the universe, so I'm going to unmake all of this and do this, do this phoenix shit." And he gets torn apart by Doom. It would appear.
1: Oh yeah, just Doom lays hands upon him, and it goes poorly for his. Uh, Crotch
2: <laughs> <laughs> and And the rest of them, actually. Um, he blows the fuck up. Well, I am I'm down with anything that allows um, Cyclops to get blown the fuck up. I, I hate him. <laughs>
1: well, that was one of the things that, that I noticed. And, and it was actually encouraging to me because I finally really paid attention to the heroes on the hero side. Not the cabal, but the heroes who survived that last incursion. Just because it's going to be so fucking e- if written right, it could be a lot of fun to watch Doom get irritated by him. You got two Spider-Men, Captain Marvel and Star-Lord. Yeah. Who will just do nothing but mock Doom and his fucking delusions of grandeur for forever. Oh, yeah. You've got Thor Odinson, who no matter what Doom says, Thor Odinson is an actual god. You've got Black Panther, who's an actual king. And you've got Mr. Fantastic, who's defeated Doom more often than fucking anybody. And then yeah, Cyclops, who's the only person in the Marvel universe I could think of, was more fucking irritating than Doctor Doom. And it was awesome to see Doom wipe him out like he was a fucking irritating booger that was whistling in his fucking iron mask. If you're gonna kill anybody, yes, have Cyclops there to just get wiped out. Nobody likes Cyclops. Yeah, no. So it's yeah. Bottom line, that's a stack of heroes you're guaranteed to irritate Doom and show him no respect whatsoever. Yeah. And I want to get to that point.
2: Yeah, he broke his neck and it it's happening at sort of the the same moment that
1: that strange, strange
2: Littlefinger takes his opportunity to send all of the other players away yes so that they they have the opportunity to escape for the moment yeah it was strange that that doom sort of just blew away with his power yeah but did he you know or did he retreat to the astral plane we don't know
1: also a possibility physically not there all i know is and I'm guessing here on some of the motivations that Hickman might have had. Yeah. Dr. Strange is the, and it's part of why it always bothered me. The role that strange has taken in this strange, is the sorcerer Supreme. He's intimate with the supernatural in a way that is basically unparalleled in the Marvel universe. You could make an argument about ghost rider because he's from hell and punisher when he was a fucking angel, I guess. But For Doctor Strange to support Doctor Doom and Doom calling himself a god gave the concept a tacit endorsement that really kind of bothered me about a supervillain. Yeah. That he made himself into a god. Yeah, To have the Sorcerer Supreme say, yep, he's a god, that always kind of bothered me. So to see Strange finally after four issues... Stand up to doom in support of Mr. Fantastic and the other ones who survived, even at the expense of his own life, was satisfying in a way that nothing else so far in Secret Wars has been for me.
2: Yeah. Well, there's been a real dearth of of the standard heroes from the Avengers and the X-Men behaving like heroes. That's That's been our complaint through a large chunk of this.
1: Yeah. They're either, <laughs> they're either cowards or turncoats or have been brainwashed into thinking that they're feudal vassals. And that's that's bummer comics. That's not fun comics. Yeah,
2: no. Um so I'm I'm hoping by some of the cryptic statements that that Strange made um that he's got some other machinations that will play out in later issues
1: cause Well, he definitely does and it's got something to do with Black Panther.
2: Yeah, well cuz he says remember this, whatever whatever this is. Yeah, my
1: eyes have seen more than I have said or something yeah. like that.
2: Yeah. My eyes have seen things over the years. I've hidden many of them. And, and then remember
0: this.
1: And considering Foom. one of considering one of his eyes is the eye of uh Agamotto, Agamotto yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the best element in this book to me um that was at least explicitly name-checked, and I should have seen it and never really registered with me, but it was made clear in this issue, was the concept that Doom seems to be trying to use his godlike powers to steal Mr. Fantastic's fucking life. Yeah. yeah. Which is really obvious once it's mentioned. I'm surprised I didn't see it. You know, He's got uh, Invisible Woman as his consort, Valeria, acting as something called the head of the foundation, but basically his adopted daughter now. And I think it's interesting because if Jonathan Hickman has done any one thing consistently in the Marvel universe, it has been to introduce the idea that Reed Richards under almost any other circumstances, other than the one that gave us the fantastic four is an extremely dangerous person who will destroy anything he gets his hands on. He destroys worlds. Yeah. And we've already got the ultimate Reed Richards. The, yeah, Bendis was the one who who made him into a douchebag in the Ultimate Universe, but Hickman had a hand in.
2: Well, no. I, in the Ultimate Universe, as I recall, Warren Ellis kicked it off with, with the Ultimate Fantastic Four.
1: He did, but the one who made Reed Richards... Take the path toward villain. Okay, was Bendis. I'm pretty sure that was under Bendis. See, I
2: thought it was. I always thought it was Hickman because we had a running joke where it's like, "Oh, Richards is acting like a douche. It must be Hickman today." <laughs> well, Hickman,
1: Hickman certainly had a hand in it and later on issues, but it's I forget the miniseries, but it, it was the first one where he became the maker, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a Bendis series. Okay, yeah, I can't remember what the series was because there were so many one off miniseries in the Ultimate Universe for a while. It was after Ultimatum, I think.
2: Okay, well, here now here's the thing though. So he's taken, presumably, Reed Richards' life over. He's got uh, Sue, he's got Valeria. Where's Franklin?
1: That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've seen him in any of the the main issues or the ancillary series. Because that, that come would out.
2: seem to be a bit of an X factor.
1: Considering, he's been... he, <laughs> considering he had access to a pocket universe, Yeah, which we may find the, the MacGuffin or the final solution is... Okay, you created Battle World, but I got a whole universe over here. Why don't we just?
2: Well, because there's been so much focus on Valeria, and I and I I like it. She's she's a great character if you use her properly, you know, being smart as heck and all of that. She was a great foil to to Loki and agent of Asgard. Yeah, um, Franklin's got just as much going on, and there's been so much less of a focus on him.
1: Yeah, if I had to, just based on saying that, a possible solution to this is the Marvel Universe will be Franklin's pocket universe. Could be. It's a possibility.
2: Other than we've heard rumors of the Silver Surfer and uh, what's-her-face going around and rebuilding the universe.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that got mentioned at a panel. Yeah. Well, it, it could be the canvas they choose to draw on is Franklin's universe. Could be. It's fun to to make shit up and speculate. It is.
2: It is.
1: (laughs) The other interesting thing. So, yeah, if, if there's a potential that Doom is about to see a very dangerous Mr. Fantastic, Namor is part of the Cabal. So if Namor sees that.
2: Well, Namor was one of the ones that was sent away.
1: Right. He was there as part of the Cabal.
2: Was he? Okay. Yeah.
1: So. If Namor realizes that... I thought that the Su- Cabal
2: was all still in the force field.
1: Um, th- they were, but Namor was part of the Cabal. Okay. Toward the end of New Avengers, before we got into Secret Wars, Black Panther basically stabbed, tried to murder, knocked down, ejected Namor from the Illuminati because okay. of Namor's destruction of Wakanda. Got it. In A versus X.
2: Got it. Okay. All right.
1: But yeah, once Namor sees Susan Richards is under the thrall of Dr. Doom, now (laughs) Namor is going to fight extra hard too. Good point. So yeah, Doom, Doom and his avarice may have created the seeds of his own destruction. And yeah, that was encouraging stuff. It was the most encouraging issue of Secret Wars so far, but the problem is... Getting back to everything we said about this from the beginning, that's not really saying much. Yeah. Because it's an issue where, yep, it's encouraging, but Doom still killed Cyclops and Doctor Strange. The The brightest idea that we have here is that Reed Richards will go rogue and stress test Doom's codpiece, <laughs> so
2: to speak. I don't want to see that. <laughs>
1: And and for all the you know, oh, there's there's finally Doom has to get his hands dirty, and there's people standing up to challenge him. The only people who really directly face to face challenge him, other than Doctor Strange, are fucking Thanos and Cyclops.
2: Yeah, and well, who are Cyclops because he's got the Phoenix power, thinks he has the cojones and the juice to do it, and Thanos, who is the 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 Mad Titan, he's got godlike fucking power. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but also this is a comic book that's supposed to have some fun in it. Nobody fucking likes Thanos and Cyclops. Nobody wants Thanos or Cyclops to win. I know. It, it's like it's So
2: it's it's like, like
1: It's like it's like watching the 2004 Yankees <laughs> playing the 86 Mets. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't if matter. If you're a Boston fan. Yeah, it doesn't matter who wins cuz what you really want to do is blow up the stadium with a fucking rocket. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, for me, bottom line on this on this issue is it was an improvement over the Secret Wars main titles we've seen so far. But it, it's also, it's still kind of a bummer. It's moving in the right direction a little bit, but this is not the feel-good issue of the year.
2: Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the cover of this. There's a tiny Future Foundation character that suggests it might be Franklin up in the corner on a giant metal hand.
1: I, I can't see from here.
2: That's all right, But so if he's been in play, we just haven't seen him. Yeah,
1: it, it's possible he's been in play and I'm just not remembering it. Yeah. Now, there have been a lot of Secret Wars series that have come out. And I think I've gotten through all of them, but I've not always been sober while I've been reading them.
2: Yeah, and you know what, though? He's not listed as, you know, a member of the Battle World royal family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he wasn't a member of Doom's family.
2: Right. But, you know, neither was technically Susan.
1: Yeah, well... He was
2: a member of the Future Foundation.
1: He's always had sort of the iron groin for Susan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The invisible woman. The the most attractive woman in the world. She looks like whatever you want. You can't see her. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there you go. (laughs) All right. Anything else on this you want to move on? Let's move uh, on. (laughs) uh, Want to move on to we stand on guard
2: yeah let's talk about that alright
1: so yeah we stand on guard number one uh, written by Brian K Vaughn uh, art by Steve Scroachy I think what kind of parents would name their kid that anyway it's uh, it's 2112 in Canada so hi Rush fans <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh some asshole with a drone has blown up the White House so this drops the same week that Rush finally makes the cover of Rolling Stone
0: uh,
1: apparently yeah <laughs> And on Independence Day. We'll yeah. talk
2: about that in a second. <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, uh, someone's blown up the White House with a drone. Whoever's in charge after the bomb goes off apparently really, really fucking hates Celine Dion or something because they launch a massive cruise missile strike against Canada within about an hour. We cut to 12 years later. One of the survivors of the original attack hooks up with the two four, which is a resistance group uh, fighting to defend one of the empty ass ends of nowhere that seems to make up huge chunks of Canada. Yep. Think Wolverines in uh, Red Dawn. (laughs) Uh, They are attacked by giant robots. And uh, surprise, America has giant robots now, apparently. And uh, everything goes to hell.
2: This is an interesting premise because we spend so much time um, thinking of Canada as innocuous and possibly even beneath notice. So (laughs) what would they have done? (laughs) Uh, to, to, to to
1: to our to... listeners in Canada, when we say we, it's it's the American we. We think very highly of you.
2: Yeah, on a personal level, Rob and I think you guys are fucking awesome. Boorah, like universal healthcare and shit. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a 16th French Canadian, you bitch. How
2: dare you? <laughs> I'm like a quarter French Canadian, and fuck you. Okay, then. So, yeah. Fuck you, I'm sick.
1: Oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Rob and I were talking last night about like best comebacks to like if you've said something to piss someone off. <laughs> yeah, it's from
1: Hunter Thompson. Just say "fuck you," I'm sick. Next question.
2: <laughs> but uh, you know, this is an interesting premise to me. I, I'm, I'm curious. You know, why why are we attacking Canada? What what did they do? They say it's it's you know apparently the U S wants their water. Um.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's <laughs> that we are given. And again, this is a hell of a book to read. It would uh, seem
2: more likely that we would want their tar sands that we currently can't have.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you, forget about the water thing. That was just some Joe Blow grunt saying they want our water. You know, yeah. That, that's like you know people screaming, we're going to war in Iraq for oil. Right. You know, if we did, I'm still paying three bucks a gallon for gas. That was a shitty war. But it's, <laughs> people say stuff without understanding everything. And that's part of this book is we have limited information. All we know is somebody blew up the White House. Yep. And then America bombed Canada. That's all we know. It's not enough information to be able to tell what really happened. Right. And the the problem is with the way this book is presented, the only inference we can draw is that America's just trigger-happy and nuts for war. Yeah. Just based on what's given to us. Because, yeah, the only American that we meet... Is in that big gorilla mech and he shoots one of two characters that we've spent more than a few panels with and then he surrenders and begs for mercy. So it's that, yeah, I should that's, have seen
2: it coming. It was, it was very walking dead in a way. It's like, all right, we're getting all of this information and character build up on this one guy, Ah, oh, dead. Well, it's,
1: yeah, but that's the America that we see. I'm going to shoot first and then say, whoops, sorry, made a mistake, you know, and, and it's weird because. The rest of this book is so fucking loaded with tropes from like World War II war movies. Yeah. It almost forces you to see the U.S. like Germany in World War II. Yeah. You know, you've got your ragtag unit, you know, with people from all different parts of the country. Yeah. You know, you've got, you know, a famous actor who has, you know, been conscripted to join the, yeah, you know, the join the four. troops. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, think all of those actors who were in World War II. Yep. You
0: know,
1: you've got somebody asking who won the Stanley Cup to see if they're a spy. That's straight out of all those fucking movies yep. where it's like, who was the starting center fielder for the Washington Generals in 1938? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the, the whole trying to decide if they should make the capture soldier, the captured uh, soldier, if they should take him as prisoner, that's right out of Saving Private Ryan, except the people in this comic book make the right decision.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, It is designed to have us look at this unit and make us think of the good guys in an American World War II movie. And yeah, you take that and the lack of actual information that's provided around this actual terrorist attack and response, and you're kind of forced to look at the United States like Germany in 1939. We're the fucking bad guy in this book, and we don't know why. I mean, granted, it's a conclusion that half the world came to sometime around 2002. <laughs> but
2: Yeah, the way that most of the United States feels about the New England Patriots, the rest of the world feels that way about us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're right. There's loads of sort of subtext going on here. The idea that America would go to war to seize a natural resource. Yeah. you know, The idea that America would go to war using mostly drones and unmanned technology, which to me was kind of interesting because the concept of if that's the way the war has been presented in this – if they're now sending manned mechs into battle, it must be for an important reason, yes. and I would like to know that reason.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and and they set up some other things that are more long-term. This, this girl and her brother at the beginning of the book are, are shown to be the only survivors of an attack on their, their home. And then her brother, when we see her years later, has been captured and is presumably in an American det- detention camp somewhere.
1: Yeah, but there was something about that family. Yeah, I read that mom
2: was high-level something or other. Mom was,
1: yeah, it's she was high-level something or other. But if you look at the big double-page splash was missiles hitting, I imagine, Montreal, but could be Toronto. I'm yeah. not familiar with Canadian skylines. but
2: I think this is supposed to be Montreal because she also makes the point of saying to one of the characters later in the book that their French sucks. Um, that
1: That I also thought of. But, yeah.
2: but no, it's But no, if you look, there's this is like the old town in the background and then the, the newer construction.
1: You can say anything you want. The last time I was in Montreal, I was nineteen years old, shit faced, and vaguely remember the interior of Club Super Sex. I don't I don't care what you say, I'm not gonna
2: know. <laughs> if you vaguely remember the interior of Club Super Sex, you didn't have enough to drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was distracted. <laughs> From the interior (laughs) furnishings. By other things in the club.
2: My parents went to Montreal, Canada. (laughs) Here, obligatory sad Amanda story from childhood. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) My parents went to Canada. I went to Montreal for my mother's 40th birthday. What I remember about this were two things. My mother coming home, um, having decided that the best way to celebrate becoming 40 was to get a tattoo of a butterfly on her ass. (laughs) which slowly became Mothra over the years. Oh, God. And now you have that vision. Um, I love you, Mom. The, oh, the other piece was my dad coming home telling stories of St. Catherine's Street, where apparently there was a hawker outside of Club Super Sex extolling that all of his girls were virgins.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been to Club Super Sex. That is, uh, that's a fib.
2: I was 15 years old. <laughs> and this is what my parents came home and regaled me with. So, getting back to this. <laughs> I just want to suck the joy out of everything.
1: Yes, getting back to this. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, my... she's she's a high level something. We just don't know. It's not I... even
1: that. I was the double page spread shows it's a missile attack on Montreal, but if you look at the aftermath of them hitting the apartment, there is clearly Oh no,
2: it's Ottawa. It says right here Ottawa, Ontario.
1: Okay, so it's Ottawa. <laughs> Club Super Sex is intact. I feel good about this.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, you were
1: about to say. <laughs> After the missile attack, for the fourth fucking time, there is a panel of a drone looking into the window, seeing nothing there, and flying away. Good so point. there was specifically a drone sent to that house.
2: No, you're right. Yep, there it is.
1: Yep. Yeah, plus, yeah, you mentioned oh she was some kind of high level thing. There was clearly something weird and rotten going on in Canada before the war because of the mother saying that she could lose her clearance and maybe her job if anyone just overhears her kid saying something anti-Canadian right. or that Canadian could be anti-American. Yeah, I want to know what that is. I want to know what it is with that family. So there's some interesting stuff here to to move forward with, but it's just it's a weird cognitive dissonance. It's the same kind of cognitive dissonance I felt reading. Bitch Planet by Deconic where it's it's a little weird to read a book where it's not you know as a white guy <laughs> most of these books hey I'm the hero this is not even you're not the hero it's you're the fucking bad guy yeah and that's that's a little weird and this eventually I I stopped reading Bitch Planet because it was all right this is clearly I'm not the audience for this book now as an American, Vaughn's an American. He may have strong feelings about American foreign policy. Where, yeah, we're legitimately the bad guys. I gotta believe there's more going on here, and I'm interested in finding it out.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I think he's just trying to to tell an interesting story. His his wife is Canadian. Uh, in terms of the the back, yeah, I read, essay. I read the back matter. So, you know, I I think I think he just kind of wants to explore an interesting take on. A dystopian future <laughs> yeah with you know come on we are often most often viewed as the bad guy in a in a lot of foreign policy from other other countries
1: that's true and I'm aware of that, but it's it, it it's hard for it's it, it's hard to be sort of equated in my head at the level of Nazi Germany. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I realize a big chunk of the world sees us that way, and it, it's it's hard to find other logical reasons for shit like the Iraq War that had nothing to do with nine eleven. But even then, yeah, there might be similarities with this comic book. But it, at least my brain says, well, you, you know what? We didn't turn right around after nine eleven and and bomb Baghdad. They at least took a few months to bullshit us in the public <laughs> and try and trick us into thinking it was a good idea.
2: Well, that's just it. We don't we don't know down the line if we're going to see a book from. From the American point of view, or in terms of, you know, wh- what was happening on their side of the border, our side of the border,
1: and it's a, I know it's there. There's going to be that stuff. Yeah, Vaughn does not write simplistic books. Be it why the last man. As I say or this is the Ex man Machina. responsible
2: for for why the last man, which is also another. Yeah, you know, if you want something that's going to absolutely make you. Consider that you might be the bad guy, even though hero was the the last man standing, and it was told from his point of view. Right. It's it's hard to believe that the dudes are supposed to be considered the hero in the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But <laughs> but even then, Ed, the protagonist's a white guy. I'm so used to seeing me in the comp, and may- maybe that's just the future. Although it's it's weird to that I can go from the okay, I'm not the hero of this to the The feeling of oh, I, I'm the villain. Nobody wants to see themselves as the villain.
2: No, but that's ho- hopefully where it won't be a black and white kind of book either. And, and I'm war sure, is not supposed to be that black and
1: white. And I'm I'm sure it won't be because yeah, Vaughn does not write simplistic books. It just all we have right now is this first issue and what he specifically told us and the way he specifically told us right and using the that kind of shorthand. It's, oh, holy shit, we are cocks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's. it'll I enjoyed the book. But yeah, some of this other stuff, uh, I want to start seeing it. And I want to start seeing some of it sooner rather than later.
2: Okay. He'll get on it.
1: You hear me, Brian?
0: <laughs> you don't hear me.
1: All right, anything else on
2: this? No, it's just I think it's it's an interesting concept. It's it, you know, for the for those of you who might be tired of of the big 2 and, and secret wars or convergence or any of that, here's a a a non big 2 book that has nothing to do with superheroes.
1: Exactly. You can put down Secret Wars where superheroes don't act superheroes and pick up this book where if you're an American, <laughs> you're a fucking bombing warmonger. It's a day. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> But I I did like it, but yeah, some of the some of what's going on in the background, I really want to start learning. And yes, then, and relatively quickly. And you just wanted to mention uh, then a couple others we can talk about really quickly in the interest of okay, let's just go straight fun.
2: Yeah, if you're if you're having difficulty with grim, gritty, dark, um, here's a couple of books to to consider. Uh, first of which is uh, Groot number 2 came out this past week. And Groot number 2 details how uh, Groot and Rocket got together and, more importantly, how one day Rocket just suddenly discovered that he understands Groot. And this is important because they've been separated by a bounty hunter who's, who had originally come for Groot but who ended up taking Rocket. So now Groot is alone, um, this immense creature who frightens everyone around him because he can't communicate with them. Yeah, and he just means well, and he wants he wants people to help him. Um, so he spends his whole book in flashback, for the most part, uh, reminiscing about how he met Rocket, and at the end um, is able to locate him and and try to get on his way to find to find Rocket. But it's it's just it's adorable and hilarious.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun, and it's a, yeah, it's a, being written by Jeff Loveness who's doing quite a lot yeah, uh, you know, also the I did not take down who the letterer was. You've got the book. The letterer open.
2: is Jeff Eckleberry. Yeah.
1: So the lettering in it from the different ways Groot says I am Groot. Yes. From sometimes, you know, just regular text balloons to big giant I block letters to try to bring across what he actually means without Rocket there to basically interpret through his response. Yeah, there there was a lot of fun
2: stuff in this. So it's something to consider, especially if you were a fan of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and you're looking for some follow-up material in that vein. It captures the tone of the relationship and the banter between the two characters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
2: it's it's fairly seamless going from the movie to that that particular title. Um, likewise, in terms of, of Secret Wars things, giant size little A versus X Marvel, um, which is Scotty Young. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this has now, can I can I just I want to start though with Scotty Young may have created the greatest, yes, the greatest comic book cover in history. Cyclops taking multiple balls—I <laughs> mean, dodgeballs—to the face.
1: Wait, wait, multiple balls
2: for a ten-dollar all-you-can-eat testicle fix. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just. Have I mentioned how much I don't like Cyclops? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if if there was ever
2: a character who somehow had the unfortunate mutant power of a rod up his ass.
1: Oh, he's the worst form of prig. I, I've never liked him. I know there's contingents out there who, who think he's awesome. And it's a nope. He's just trying to do the best he can to continue Professor Xavier's vision. And he's a dick. Yeah. Okay. He's a, he's
2: a cock. <laughs> so this is the premise is you've got little Avengers, little X Men, and they're all going to school on Battle World in a place called we- uh not Westchester. That's the other book. Marvel. Marvel. Thank you. Westchester is the uh, the X Men ninety two book by Chris Sims last week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Marvel. When I saw that region on the Secret Wars yeah. map, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not, not the Bill James. Oh Jesus.
2: No, but it's it's so they they go to school together. They're constantly getting into to schoolyard scraps. Um, Scotty Young just has, if you are have been living under a rock, has this adorable, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. All- way of drawing these characters as little guys.
1: Almost the Marvel universe by way of Calvin and Hobbes.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's an excellent way to describe it. Um, and so they they. <sighs> get into this giant dodgeball fight um, during recess. And then they have to come in and they, they, they're they having class with Professor Xavier and there are these new kids in town, Zachary and Zoe. And the fight becomes, oh, we, we want these kids to be our friends. We don't want them to be your friends. We want them to be our friends. Yep. <laughs> and so they they both invite these two newer, new kids to come and – and join their clubhouse. Of course, the clubhouses are right next to each other because that yep. makes all the sense.
1: Big tree houses, big tree just houses, an adjoining trees.
2: Um, and there's just these cute little moments where you, know, you you meet, like the little ghost writers. How was school today, Johnny? Did you do what we talked about? Yes, but Professor Xavier said I shouldn't be exacting vengeance during social studies. <laughs> it's true; you should wait till recess, Johnny. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's what it's for. Um, you know. Namor has has fish tank where he's he's keeping his little fish buddies alive until they can, you know, once again rule the seas, but the, <laughs> the fish just want to eat him. Yep. Um little watcher, dad, will you please stop watching me? <laughs> <laughs> just these cute little moments. So, if 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 you're tired by some of the things that are happening in comics and you just want something that's going to make you laugh, read this book.
1: Um there is one glorious panel during the dodgeball fight, where Cyclops takes a dodgeball to the side of the head with such violence, his visor <laughs> explodes. Yeah, and just his face is deformed, and he's shocked. <laughs> that I would buy that panel.
2: Oh yeah, and and then he's absolutely un unable to control his power for the rest of 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 the the game and he has to sit on his knees in the middle of the playground because he can't move <laughs> because yep. otherwise he, he's going to risk hurting people. And so he's basically fetal on the playground after taking the ball to the face <laughs> and dupe dupe is the, uh, the referee and they call him Mr. Pickle. Yeah. Quiet pickle <laughs> <laughs> or the <past> rules. <laughs> um, and, and I've noticed it, for the second week in a row, and I don't know if this is just a running theme where, this happens in one book every week, but um, yet again, another swipe at 90s-style art, um, possibly, Rob Liefeld, but... It, it, it was totally. Well, because there's Lil Cable. <laughs> <laughs> and and Zachary and Zoe don't make it all the way to the clubhouses because a fight has broken out over who has the better banner to welcome them to their clubhouses. And so they sit on a hill and they just watch the the carnage play out and and Scarlet Witch and Cable are going at each other. And Zachary says to Zoe, you know, big guns, mixed shoulder pad, and the girl with the weird face things. Hmm. <laughs> and she she replies, I got $20 on Pouchy McGee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is on the heels of Chris Sims' um, X-Men 92 last week. There was another swipe at like Pouches and Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just a fucking fun book. Read it's, the book. It,
1: it's fun. It has as much to do with Secret Wars as it has to do yeah, with- Yeah, you, with... you
2: don't need to know anything about anything that's going on to read this.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, it's fun and it's funny. Yeah. I, I know. I got a kick out of it. I heard you laugh out loud at least four times while you were reading oh, yeah. it. So <laughs> it's a good one. It is. All right. How are we doing on time? I think we're Oh, ready to we're wrap.
2: about out two hours.
1: All right. Why don't we- Wrap it up. Let's do that. So, yes, I don't know where you found this episode, because we're all over the internet like a rash. We are. But you can always find us at our home website, which is crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. You can find a link to our Facebook page uh, through our home site. We are on Twitter. We are at Infinite Midlife.
2: I, I don't even know why you need me at this point. Now you remember the the Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I need you for a lot of reasons, baby. Ah, Different kind of handle. Thank you. I'll be here all week. (laughs) I live here. We are on Tumblr. uh, .tumblr CrisisOnInfiniteMidLives.tumblr.com Where else can you find the show? You can find us on iTunes. Uh, Do us a favor. If you find the show through there, uh, give us a review. uh, Throw us a rating. Helps other people find the show. It's always nice to hear from listeners, too. So, yeah, feel free to shoot us a message through through Tumblr or through Facebook, or you can email us directly, midlives at gmail.com. Uh, we are on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Yep. Did I miss anything? I think you got everything. All right. So I guess we will wrap it up. That is, this has been episode 77 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. This is my impression of the dodgeball fight
0: in the Scotty Young book my name is Hiro Nakamura I'm from the future and I have a message for you I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost <laughs> oh quiet
2: pickle <laughs> <laughs>